The United Nations has taken time off from sending peacekeepers to enslave women in the Congo and abuse children on the Ivory Coast and run prostitute rings in Bosnia to warn us all that climate change is going to destroy the world again. The UN's Committee on Screaming Over Unbelievable Disasters, or Unsound, has announced that because of climate change, we must dismantle capitalism worldwide or everyone will die. If we do dismantle capitalism, everyone will still die, but they'll die with a lot less money. The UN says that because of climate change, there will soon be heat waves, rainstorms, and floods. These will be much worse than the heat waves, rainstorms, and floods we have now because there'll be no capitalism, so everyone will be poor. Now you can see why climate change is so bad. Now, many people have grown dubious of predictions of climate disaster because they're simply tired of Al Gore dressed in nothing but a towel, chasing masseuses around his hotel room, screaming, the world is going to end, so touch me now. But the UN says their latest prediction of disaster is much worse than their previous predictions of disaster because they are predicting a much worse disaster. So when it doesn't happen, it'll be much worse than the other disasters that didn't happen in the past. Still, there can be little doubt that the climate is changing and that everyone will die in a spectacular, fiery cataclysm just as soon as one of these climate predictions turns out to be correct. How can we avoid this horrifying yet visually stunning fate? Well, the models show that if we get rid of all fossil fuels within four years, we could actually stave off the apocalypse. Then we would be able to proudly tell our great-grandchildren, we've saved the planet so you can live horrible, primitive lives in a socialist hellscape. Or we can say screw it and let the little rugrats fend for themselves. Now, for that, trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, we're back in studio. I am so sorry I couldn't get to the folks at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Uh, the left was so afraid of what I would say, they just blew the entire state away with an enormous hurricane. I just, I, you know, I don't think Gainesville was hit directly, but I, there's no way I could get in and out. Uh, but we will reschedule it. I will be there. Meanwhile, I am happy to announce that the Clavenless weekend has essentially been canceled. There is so much Claven out there this weekend that you can just entertain yourself throughout the weekend. There is is the Gosnell movie is opening up uh, on Friday. It's opening up tomorrow. I wrote the screenplay to that. Uh, there is a new uh, book out com- that has just come out called The Best American Mystery Stories of, 19, of 2018. Um, this is, comes out every year. It's a very prestigious collection, and I happen to have a story in it. And so you can get that and warm up with that this weekend. And, of course, Another Kingdom Season 2. Another Kingdom Season 2 will be available to everybody on tomorrow, on Friday. So you can actually hear the first two episodes or watch parts of the first two episodes. Then you can hear the rest. Or, of course, subscribe. Allows you 10 bucks a month. Allows you 100 bucks for the entire year. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. But you can also watch the entire uh, show when you get to see Another Kingdom. They've got some beautiful, beautiful visuals uh, going on. And you can even see Knowles. And he's beautiful. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than Knowles. Um, what else? You know, you know, I was watching this. I decided that, you know, they talk about the intellectual dark web. 
I am the cultural dark web. Me, I shouldn't say just me. It's me and Jeremy Boring, the god king of the Daily Wire. He is behind a lot of this cultural stuff, and he keeps he keeps the profile low, but he is also uh, secretly. And he and I are basically right wing culture. We are right wing culture. <laughs> so, so support, support, support it. Don't go around and complain about how the left runs the culture without going out to see Gosnell and watch Another Kingdom and uh, and get the mystery, uh, the great mysteries of 2018. Also. After you do all that, you'll probably be in debt. So you want to go to Lightstream because, you know, when you're when you're using credit cards, the debt can pile up. You don't start to you don't pay it on time. And suddenly you got a real problem because credit cards have these uh, interest rates that are just usurious. I mean, 18 percent. So it's usury. That's what I'm trying to say. It can be over 18 percent APR. If you can get a loan from Lightstream, you can get one from $5,000 to $100,000. You can get your funds as soon as the day you apply. And Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great uh, interest rate and no fees. So Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR if you use auto pay. You got to have good credit. This is a serious thing. But once you do that, you can get a huge loan that very day uh, with with really good interest rates. My listeners will get a special discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Andrew. That is L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Andrew. This is subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Andrew for more information. One more thing I got to mention before we get to the news of the day is mailbag day is tomorrow. We have moved it to to tomorrow. So go to dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, hit the Andrew Clavin podcast, hit the mailbag, ask me anything you want. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you got to be a subscriber to send in questions, but you can ask me about religion. You can ask me about politics. You can ask me about your personal life. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life now and then for the better. Uh, so you want to do that uh, right away and we will get your, to your questions tomorrow. So everybody is talking about the Kavanaugh effect. What effect will the nomin- confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court what effect will that have on the midterms? And the answer is we don't know. It really does seem that it has scrambled everything, that people are going to be voting on whether they want, uh, you know, uh, to be governed by mob rule and anybody who gets accused is guilty or whether they want the rule of law and the Constitution and that. So that's essentially what you'll be voting for as you vote whether to uh, to support Trump, Trump's Republican Party or the Democrats. But the one thing we do know about the Kavanaugh effect, we do know that it has driven the left insane. They have lost the plot of America. They are acting like absolute crazy people. Trump is actually running on this now. If you uh, go to cut four and you can hear he is playing this up to the hilt. Democrats have become totally unhinged. They've gone, they've gone crazy. No, they've gone crazy. But the Democrats have become too extreme and they've become, frankly, too dangerous to govern. And they become a mob. And this is the thing. They have become a mob. It's not just the people who were banging on the Supreme Court doors. It's the people who were chasing, some of them paid for by George Soros, who were chasing senators down the halls. The guys who uh, cornered, the women who cornered Jeff Flake in the elevator, paid for agents by Jeff, uh, by George Soros. That's mob behavior, chasing Ted Cruz out of restaurants, mob behavior surrounding uh, the home, uh, Homeland Security uh, lady in, in uh, the movie theater and surrounding her and spitting at her and shouting at her and bullying her. That's mob behavior. The left, the Democrat mob, 
does not like to be called a Democrat mob. And there's a reason for this. The reason is they're a Democrat mob. And so the Democrat mob does not like being called out. So, of course, who do they call upon to run interference for them? The media. So MRC, one of our favorite websites, Newsbusters, uh, put out a montage of the, dem- of the media standing up against the idea that a mob is a mob. Here it is. When you see people like Ted Cruz getting chased out of restaurants by a mob, Oh, you see, you're not you, going to use the mob I will, word Oh, it's, it's totally a mob. It is without a there's doubt. Mad, I mean, it's, it's, there's no other word mad. for it. It's a, go mad. on, show, put up a the mob, video. Stop, stop. Mr. Trump accused Democrats of using mob tactics. He says the Democrats are an angry mob. Branding Democrats as an angry mob. Democrats and the woman mob. David, a mob. Mob. A mob. Just this angry mob. 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 And then to call them mobs. The mob. The mob on the left. The Democratic mob. The mob. The mob's part of an angry mob. An angry mob, he says. What about the people who were at the Supreme Court banging on the walls? What do you call that? The subjugated majority in this country, and they're being made out to be violent and disruptive. I mean, it really wasn't a mob. Accusing the left of being this angry, wild mob is just ridiculous. Describing protesters as a mob doesn't fit the facts. And it's really funny because Trump loves mobs. This talk of uh, mob rule and so on. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brooke, have you have you been to a Trump rally? Donald Trump over the weekend called them a mob and compared them to arsonists. Calling liberals the the angry, dangerous mm. mob. And this is a actually a tactic that Hitler used. <laughs> if you wait long enough, they get to Hitler. Hitler. Hitler must just sit up in his grave and bump his head against his coffin every time this happened. Although I guess he wasn't in a coffin. But there, but there it is. You know, you know, what I love about this is like, if it walks like a mob, talks like a mob, sounds like a mob, it's a mob. And you know, Don Lemon, who is a just a lemon head, Don Lemon was saying, oh, well, it's not, you know, we have a constitutional right to go into a restaurant and harass a senator. No, you actually don't. That is not what free speech is. That is not how free people behave. It is absolutely not within the realm of free speech to go screaming at people, to dox them so that people go to their houses. It is absolutely mob rule. And they're encouraging it. You know, we played Hillary Clinton the other day saying, oh, we can't be civil anymore until we win. Why? You know, we don't want to be civil when we're out of power. We, you know, when we're out of power, that's when we, we become uncivil. Eric Holder, we had to stop for a minute. Eric Holder is obviously thinking of running for president. This was former attorney general under Barack Obama. Only attorney general in the history of the United States to be held in contempt of Congress. For what? It was because when they got, he got caught out and investigated for running, a, for running guns, essentially. The Fast and Furious operation in which they allowed Mexican gangsters to buy guns because they were going to trace the guns. That was the idea. They were going to trace the guns. And it got, they just lost the guns and the Mexican gangsters got the guns while the feds were sitting there watching them. And finally, a uh, border agent was killed by this. So they investigated. He refused to hand over the documents so they could see it. And Barack Obama refused to have the Justice Department investigate him and prosecute him for contempt of Congress because he claimed it was he was protecting executive privilege. The old Bill Clinton uh, trick it was like everybody from his mother to his cook had executive privilege under Clinton because he didn't want to admit this. You know, I got a lot of feedback about the Max Boot um, interview that I did of never Trumper Max Boot. And, uh, you know, there were, there were two people, 
two kinds of feedback I got. One was, why did you play that? Why did you let him say those stupid things? And the other was, I'm glad you let him say those stupid things so I could hear them. But the one thing that was, everybody found incredible was his idea that Barack Obama was somehow a great, honest guy uh, who didn't violate the Constitution, which is my big argument that Trump, for all they yell about him and all his, his rudeness and his strange sometimes behavior, he, he hasn't violated constitutional governance at all. And Obama did it routinely. He transformed the government into a Democrat machine like in Chicago. So here is Eric Holder telling people what he wants them to do. They have used the power that they have gotten for all the wrong things. They want to keep themselves in power. They want to cater to the special interests. It is time for us as Democrats to be as tough as they are, to be as dedicated as they are, to be as committed as they are. Michelle always says, Michelle Obama, I love her, you know, <coughs> she and my wife like really tight, um, which always scares me and Barack. <laughs> but Michelle always says that, you know, when they go low, we go high. No, no. When they go low, we kick them. When they go low, we kick them. And, they, you know, and, and people are encouraging, uh, they're encouraging people to basically attack, uh, you know, congressmen, senators. Who was it? It was Cory Booker. Play Cory Booker. Here's Spartacus telling people they should go after uh, people in get up in the, the faces of Congress people. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the Hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. Yeah. So, I mean, they're inc- it's, you can't say it's not a mob when you're encouraging people to be a mob. You don't see Donald Trump. Donald Trump riles up his base. There's no question about it. But he doesn't rile them up to violence. He doesn't rile them up to attack people. He never said that. He never said, go kick them. I mean, during when he was campaigning, and I used to rail at him against this. When he was campaigning, he sometimes skirted the edge. And it really bugged me. And it bugs me still that he did it. But since he's become president, he hasn't been doing that. And they are. They have become his worst self. As I always say, Trump at his worst is the Democrats. That's why they hate him. But more important than this, more important than the mob is the fact that what they are fighting for, what the left is actually fighting for, is to destroy constitutional governance. I mean, one of the things that I keep saying about, you know, people say, well, Donald Trump had all these, uh, you know, women who said he did these nasty things. Well, all of the women who accused him, they accused him of things that were creepy mischief, you know, of, of putting his hands where he shouldn't have put them, of looking up their skirts when they were walking above him, that kind of thing. Kind of, you know, creepy stuff, but but not assault. They didn't, only his ex-wife during a divorce proceeding uh, accused him of really raping her and then said, no, that was the lawyers talking. It was just part of the divorce settlement, everything else. But the thing is, he was running against, and this was another uh, disagreement I had with Boot, he was running against a career criminal, a woman who was, you know, listen to Ken Starr talk about her. He was on this close to uh, uh, going after her for perjury. After her testimony, she stonewalled everybody. But a career criminal who openly did not support the First and Second Amendment. She openly did not support the Heller decision, which said this Second Amendment guarantees your personal right to bear arms. And she didn't support the Citizens United decision, which said, which basically supported your right to, to uh, have political speech. I mean, it was the First Amendment. This is what they're going after. Listen to some of the stuff that they've been saying. Uh, Ian Milheiser, who is a George Soros uh, guy from the uh, the site Think Progress. So he is the justice editor there. And he writes this piece after Kavanaugh gets confirmed. The Constitution of the United States has failed. And this thing is amazing. It is just like a 
It is really like a, a 19-year-old who's just read that idiot to Howard Zinn. And he's like, wow, you know, sometimes bad things happened in America. It's not all good. And so he hates America. And he says, Americans speak of our Constitution as if it were a religious text. To label a law unconstitutional is not simply to say that it violates some procedural rule or legal technicality. It is to label it fundamentally un-American. He has a problem with this. This is exactly right. It is fundamentally un-American. But our Constitution has not served us nearly as well as we would have been served by other systems adopted by our peer nations. In other words, in Europe and Scandinavia, all of which live at our under our protection, under our umbrella, using our machines, our innovation, our financial security, all of which are, are essentially client states of this great country. And none of them would even exist at the level of diversity and freedom that they exist in if it weren't for our inspiration, which gave it their, their first, the first birth of free, of true freedom, uh, on the planet. So his complaints, the electoral college allows people he disagrees with to get elected. He doesn't like that. You know, the electoral college, uh, Trump did not have a, a popular majority, though he would have had he been running in a popular election. He would have run his campaign differently. He would have won that way. And he doesn't like the fact that uh, you can't distribute wealth. If it were just guys like him, just George Soros, radical hacks like him, that would be one thing. But MSNBC, you know, remember Lawrence stopped the hammering O'Donnell? You know, he's over there uh, complaining about the Electoral College, too. He's (laughs) there he is. Stop the hammering. He wants to stop while he's stopping the hammering. He wants to stop the Electoral College. He tweeted out the founders design flaw in democracy, the Electoral College, and he wants to get rid of the Senate. Two senators per state, no matter what size or population. And that, you know, stop the, the hammering. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop this constitutional stuff. Alexandria Google Eyes Cortez, you know, the know nothing. I mean, talk about a woman. Every time she opens her mouth, she I think she, she may actually lose one of the most democratic districts uh, in the country. But she tweeted out, it's well past time we eliminate the Electoral College, a shadow of slavery's power on America today. So what is it they're saying? The Senate, the Electoral College, it gives power to the states. It means that if you live in Wisconsin, what a great state, by the way. I was just there. What a beautiful, beautiful town Madison is. What nice people, what great food. But they, the left does not want them having the same power as the people in California and the people in New York because that's them and they hate you. They hate the rest of the country. They hate the people who don't think like them. And they think because they they are so righteous, they should have the right to reach out from L.A., which knows nothing about uh, Madison, which knows nothing about Arkansas, which knows nothing about Tennessee. They should be able to reach out and tell those people how to live. And that's why they keep going back to Democrat uh, institutions like slavery and Jim Crow, because there are times, there were times when States' rights was used to defend bigotry. That's that is true. They're right about that. But it was all Democrats. It was all Democrats doing that. Now that it's Republicans, we don't have that problem. They're just trying to live the way they want to live in their locality, not the way you want them to live in your locality. And they despise them. And if you don't think they despise them, listen to the way. You know, if they're obviously they're racist about white people, they have this. They've used words 
like white male as a pejorative, which is dis- I, I just find that disgusting. If I use the word blackmail as a pejorative, they'd come in here. Shapiro would come in here and drag me out. I mean, they're like, they're, no, seriously, nobody on the right thinks like this. Nobody on the right wants to think like this. Nobody respectable on the right. I'm not talking about the people who go nuts in the comment sections. I'm talking about the mainstream. But the mainstream of the left is talking about whites as if that's somehow wrong. But then if you're black, if you're Kanye, listen to the way they talked about Kanye on the Lemon Show. Uh, this is cut number eight. Kanye West is what happens when Negroes don't read. Um, and, and we have this now, and now Donald Trump is going to use it and pervert it, and he's going to have somebody who can stand with him and take pictures. <laughs> Just looking at Scott's face. Scott's like, whoa, okay. So, <laughs> it's a Chris Rock reference, by the way, Scott. <laughs> so go back and watch the old Chris Rock stand-ups from the 90s. Uh, maybe I will look that up. I know that. All right, listen. Maybe it'll work, Tara. Will it? I don't know. Work for who? <laughs> it's not going to work in the black community. Listen, black folks are about to you know, trade Kanye West in the racial draft. Okay, they've had it with him. He's not the whoa, same. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I do, I do know that reference. I know that oh. that that is an old Dave Chappelle skit. I know there that one. Go. I got that oh, one. God. All right, good, what good. I'm one for two. All right, keep going. <laughs> I mean, listen to that. They, they, they're ejecting Kanye. Kanye is going to have lunch with the president today. And of course, it, it is working. It's only it only is working because black people under Trump are doing great. You know, the economy is great. Jobs are there. Record low unemployment. And the white guy, Jesse Lee Peterson, said the white guy was a coward. Jesse Lee just doesn't hold back. You know, I love, that's why I love him. He just says what he has to say. But he should have said, you know, this is racism. They eject you from their identity groups if you don't agree with them. Anyway, that's the Kavanaugh effect. The Kavanaugh effect is driving them nuts. I think it's going to be good for us in the uh, midterms. This is not a crazy country. This is not a radical country. While we're talking about thing, things, the way this country isn't, however, we really have to go back and follow this Jamal Khashoggi case, which is just getting uglier and uglier. It, uh, the, the Turks are saying that uh, 15 Saudis, this is the, he's a Washington Post columnist. He lived in Virginia. He was possibly lured to Turkey. He said he wanted to get divorce papers. He went to Turkey and went into the Saudi um, consulate there and vanished. He has vanished without a trace. The Turks say he has been assassinated, cut to pieces and thrown out. This is bad. This is bad stuff. What's, what is wonderful, however, what is a good, the good part of this, if I can say that, is that the, we Americans are united right and left in calling for action on this and not letting this pass. You cannot let a Washington Post columnist be killed by our putative allies. Are supposed to, they're supposed to be our allies, the Saudis. They're supposed to be reforming. Here is both Chuck Schumer and Lindsey Graham talking about it. Well, it's despicable, and the whole world is watching. Um, you know, uh, the crown prince is portraying himself as a reformer who's trying to improve and open up Saudi society. Reformers don't kill their political opponents. I've never been more disturbed than I'm right now. If this did in fact happen, if this man was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, that would cross every line of normality uh, in the international community. Um, if it did happen, it would be hell to pay. If they're this brazen, it shows contempt. Contempt for everything that we stand for, contempt for the relationship. And I don't want to prejudge, but if it goes down the road that I'm worried about it going down, uh, contempt will be met with contempt. 
And, and don't forget, I mean, this is very complicated because the Saudis are supposed to be our pals and Jared Kushner has been, you know, cozying up to them, hoping they'll help with, with peace in the Middle East. But this is also happening with uh, Putin and the Russians. You know, they reached out, this guy Nikolai Glushkov, this was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, God love them for doing it. Uh, he was one of these uh, Russian oligarchs who raped the Soviet Union after it collapsed and escaped and then was fell out of uh, fell, fell out of favor with Putin. And he was on trial and the trial was going to embarrass Vladimir Putin uh, by showing parts of Putin's history they didn't like. And he was found uh, strangled to death with his dog's leash. And Putin says, oh, well, it was a homosexual killing. Putin always blames the gays, always blames the Jews. I mean, this is this is his big trick that he uses. You know, this is the third one of these um, emigre Russians to be murdered by, obviously by Putin, it seems to me, in England. Uh, we cannot let this stuff go on. We have to call it out. And do not listen to the people hammering Trump about this. Maggie Haberman, the Clinton hack who's over at the New York Times, she tweeted out that somebody shouted at Trump, you know, what wasn't this uh, Khashoggi journalist killed because you said that journalists are the enemy of the people? No. And they're saying, oh, he's going to sweep this under the rug. No, he's not. I mean, this cannot stand. This cannot stand. And it is good to see Americans uniting over this. It is good to see Schumer uh, joining with Lindsey Graham because cl clearly the left has forgotten what America is about in America. But let's not forget what they are about in the rest of the world. So it is good. Hey, you know, this, some of this stuff is causing Democrats to wake up because there are only two parties, Republicans and Democrats, and one of them has lost the plot of the country. One of them has forgotten what this country is about. And that is why I really, you know, have come to support Trump, why so many never, never Trumpers have come around. He is defending the country as it stands. He is not always a person I like, but he is always a person so far who has stood up for constitutional governance. Brandon Strack uh, it is made this video saying he was walking away. He was a gay liberal and he wanted to walk away from the left, which he said, uh, and he started to encourage people to walk away. And he has started a movement and he is organizing a walkaway march in Washington, D.C. for October 27th. And we had him on the show and talked about him. A really entertaining guy and an entertaining interview. Uh, this is October 27th, the walkaway march. And here is Brandon Strzok. Uh, Brandon Strzok, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. So let's let's start at the beginning. What what is it that made you walk away in the first place? It made you make this walk away video? Well, I had been watching uh, for years as I felt like the ideology of liberalism was becoming more and more kind of toxic and intolerable. And so I was already starting to feel sort of pushed away and isolated and, uh, you know, kind of uh, turned off by that. And then but it was really after the election of Donald Trump that, you know, I, I voted for Hillary and I was really, really devastated that Donald Trump had been elected because I believed the liberal media. I mean, I was I was an ardent follower of the liberal media. And so when they said things like he was uh, you know, racist, a bigot, a Nazi, the second coming of Hitler, I I really thought that we were in a lot of danger. I mean, I really, really believed them. And so uh, it wasn't until, you know, I was going on social media and like ranting and raving and asking all these people, you know, I grew up in Nebraska and I was just like, why did you people vote for him? Like, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? And uh, and then finally somebody, what, this woman who used to babysit me when I was a baby got in touch with me and she she prevent, pre presented me with um, a YouTube video, which was a compilation of footage showing the ways in which the liberal media had taken moments out of context and isolated them and spun a narrative and you know 
Um, and basically, if you watch the entirety of you know these different clips or see these moments in proper context, what the media was leading us to believe wasn't true at all. Huh. And I mean, I feel a little bit like an idiot sitting here telling you this today because it's so obvious the kind of thing that once you see it, you can't ever unsee it. You know, I'm like, what, how did I miss this? But, you know, I'm not alone. Millions and millions of people are falling for what the liberal media is telling them. And that was really what happened to me. You know, I had this almost the exact same experience. I'm a lot older. I had it with Reagan because I had the uh, I was same thing right down the line. Liberal believed the media and then everything he did worked. And I thought something is wrong here. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's that. So. You, you put out a, you put out a video. Were you shocked when it became as popular as it was? Mm, I don't you know, I, I like at any time I do something, I like to dream really big and kind of, you know, dream for this shoot for this shoot for the moon, you know. And so I didn't know what would happen. Obviously, I had no idea. And I definitely contemplated the possibility that I would put this video out and maybe 50 people would ever see it. And those would be the 50 people who would, for the rest of my life, would be in charge of telling, you know, whether or not I got a job or a place to live or, you know, <laughs> these would be like all my future bosses. But um, no, I mean, I had hoped that it would be as successful as it has been. And so, but that's, I'm absolutely amazed. And I, I'm, you know, so touched that it has had this effect on people. Have you gotten any pushback? I mean, I know, I know you said once you refused service in a store, but has it, yeah. has it gone beyond that? Mm, I, I don't know if it's gone beyond that. I mean, there's there's sort of different categories of hate <laughs> that one that one receives. Uh, so there's definitely the uh, you know being denied service in the store hate. There's the hate where the people who are your friends since elementary school reach out to you and say that they're going to uh, go to the media and tell horrible things about you to people. Uh, there are the people who. Um, use the you know I, I i'm almost four years sober so there are people who love to say that you know go on social media and say that i'm doing drugs or that i'm drinking again you know i mean you name it but yeah to answer your question yes there has been pushback i mean the, the viciousness of the left almost confirms what you're you're talking about are you, you do you it does do you find now that i mean obviously you must be falling in with some evil conservatives like me do you find do you find them to be a different breed of people I really do. Yeah. I mean, I really, really do. I mean, for, for a number of reasons, uh, first of all, there's, there's the aspect of conservatives I find can even disagree with each other, Yeah, you know, not, not just disagree with liberals, but disagree with each other and still be okay, you know, and still not feel the need to, you know, burn somebody's house down or, you know, push them out a window or blow up their car or, you know, uh, there's that. Um, but also, I just feel that in general, what it means to be a Republican or, or a conservative has changed. I mean, I think that I'm finding that the Republican Party, which is where I consider myself to be now, uh, is very inclusive. It's becoming more and more diverse. We're seeing now that uh, African-American su support for Trump just one year ago was at 15 percent. Now it's over 35 percent. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, but, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I just I think that things are changing and opening up, you know, and so that's why I was a liberal years ago, you know, in the first place is because I felt like that's where the tolerance, the diversity, the inclusion was. But, you know, what it really is, what I what I see so clearly now is that they are they're diverse and they're tolerant in the most superficial of ways. What they really care about is what is the color of your skin? Uh, what is, uh, you know, are you a different religion that, I mean, they, 
it's all about the appearance of, you know, but it's like when it actually comes to diversity of thought or diversity of uh, actual belief or not so much, they, it's, One, it's a one-way road. Yep, I know. I, I find this too. I mean, I always tell people I became a conservative because I'm a liberal, because I believe in, di- in actual diversity. What, what about on the issue of, uh, of gays? I mean, this is still a place where I get, I get a lot of flack for my uh, openness of, to gay life and, and my feeling that people should be whatever they are. Do you, do you find yeah. you get, are you getting pushback from conservatives there? Mm-mm, not at all. Not at all. No, I mean, no, not at all. I, I, and to be honest, like I'm not being at all exaggerative or hyperbolic when I say I at this point, I've gotten tens of thousands of messages from people all over the world and definitely all over the country. Um, most of them conservatives saying, you know, how much this movement means to them, how much my speaking out and stepping forward means to them. And many of them, I mean, out of all of those messages, I've maybe received two or three from somebody who's just like a total knucklehead who says something really stupid, you know, something, you know, like love what you're doing. Don't support you being gay. I'm like, okay. But the majority, (laughs) the majority of the people who reach out to me and honest, honest to God, like maybe three, I've gotten like that, but the uh, 99.99999% of them are people who, I mean, even people who don't understand it and don't really get it. I, you know, sometimes I'll get messages from someone who's people who say, I'm an 87 year old, straight woman from Iowa. I don't understand what being gay means, but I don't care. I love you. I think what you're doing is amazing. Thank you so much for standing up for our country. This has been my experience among conservatives too. I mean, I find them the most tolerant, open-hearted people uh, on earth, by and large. I mean, as you yes. say, you get your knuckleheads, but not as many as you would yeah. think. Uh, you, you're having a march, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So yes. Tell, uh, tell me about the, when is this? Okay, so it's the Walkaway March on Washington. It's a weekend. It's a, a March weekend. We're doing um, October twenty sixth through the twenty eighth. So what we're doing is on Friday night, October twenty sixth, we're having a really nice gala dinner, uh, which is still sort of in the works, but that's probably probably going to be at the Trump International Hotel. Uh, we anticipate having very big name speakers and you know different kind of package levels at which people can be, uh, you know, a VIP dinner or just regular admission dinner. On Saturday, October 27th, will be the march and the rally. We will be marching from the DNC to our nation's capital. We will quite literally be walking away from the Democratic Party. (laughs) And we will assemble in front of our nation's capital at the same spot as the inaugurations have been held. We will be having, again, an amazing rally with incredible speakers. Some high-profile conservative voices will be stepping up to talk and uh, address our nation right before the midterm elections. Uh, But also, you know, I want to make clear the walkaway campaign is really about giving a voice to the people. And it's about giving the power, the the voice and the uh, acknowledgement back to the people. So we'll also be having everyday Americans who uh, have amazing walkaway stories to tell. We'll let them step up and, and have the mic for a bit, too, to address the American people. And uh, and then on Sunday, October 28th, we'll have our closing brunch and give people the day to travel back home. So now that Trump has been in office, I don't know, it feels like about 15 years, but I think it's only two. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you feel about how do you feel about what he's doing? Oh, I think he's amazing. Uh, I think he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I do. I I I I uh, I. I can't wait to vote for him in 2020 because, of course, I didn't vote for him in 2016. Um, 
And so sadly, I'll only have the opportunity to get to pull that lever one time. But um, <laughs> but I, I think he's doing an amazing job. I mean, the, I think the numbers speak for themselves. I think the confidence that Americans are feeling speaks for itself. Um, it's really only the people who are running around, uh, you know, with tinfoil on their heads screaming, ah, resist, resist, <laughs> Hitler's back, Hitler's back. I mean, it's really only those people that are uh, unhappy. And I, you know, I would, I, I feel for them, but it's like, you know, at the same time, I'm like, honey, take a Xanax. I mean, everything's fine. We're, <laughs> we're really doing quite well. As, as you go forward, what, what are you hoping to see? I mean, when you're talking about, talking about actual things like policy, uh, actual things that you'd like to see in the, happen in the country, what are you hoping for? Well, what I'm really hoping for particularly going forward with the walk away campaign is I want to see more and more, well, more people in general, but particularly minorities begin to open their eyes and see that they have been lied to and used and manipulated by the democratic party and that, uh, they don't really care about them. They are manipulating them and they are using them. And that, you know, it, I always say walk away is a journey, not a destination. Now I happen to find myself in the Republican party. But I don't tell people where to go or what to think. I don't encourage people to leave groupthink and come into more groupthink. All I say is take a look at what's going on on the left. Take a look at what's going on in the Democratic Party. Really do your research and and and, and look at the history of this party. It's it, deeply steeped in racism. Uh, it's deeply uh, steeped in divisiveness. And these days, the liberal media doesn't know their the truth. Uh, from uh, a hole in their heads. I don't know if that made any sense, but you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't know the truth if it bit them in the, in the you know what? So yeah. it's like, they need to take a look at these things and see what's going on. I want to encourage more minorities to walk away. And something that really concerns me, I'd like to say really fast, because I want to try to get this message out as much as possible going forward, because it's something I've recently discovered and it's it, I'm very concerned about it. Um, I believe that what the Democratic Party is going, their, their next tactic is going to be, because they seem to be pushing more and more for this far left socialist sort of communist platform. I, you know, they're even starting to run these Democratic socialists very openly. I mean, that's, what, you know, I think that what they're going to do is find candidates who anywhere they can find them, who are black, Hispanic, gay, transgender, run them on this extremely fringe left socialist platform. and they're tactic, uh, their strategy is going to be that when people object to this platform, they're going to say it's because they're transphobic or homophobic hmm. or racist. So they are intentionally going to run minorities on this platform so that they can use their minority status to help push that socialist platform and accuse anyone else of being a bigot who objects to it. And what I'm even more concerned about is that black people and gay people and transgender people are going to think that they have to be socialists because they're gay or because they're transgender. This concerns me a lot. And so I wanna make sure that we give voices out to these communities, these racial minority communities, the LGBT community to let them know, you don't have to be a socialist. You don't have to be a Democrat. You don't have to be a liberal. There is room for you on the right, in the middle, anywhere else, just get out of there. Mm, that's really interesting. I think that is a strategy they've been using for years. Brendan Strack, thank you very much for coming on and I wish you luck with the march. Thank you so much. That's October 27th in Washington, D.C. is the Walk Away March. Do it. Listen, before we get to uh, the tickety-boo news, I've got to play this thing. I've never seen this before. This is Gil Fulbright, Honest Politician. Hi, 
I'm Gil Fulbright. The people that run my campaign, they've made this commercial, and I'm in it. This campaign, it's not about me. It's about crafting a version of me that'll appeal to you. A version that visits random work sites with paid actors pointing at things. A version of me that doesn't find old people loathsome or pointless. Has a conventionally attractive yet curiously still family. Listening to my constituents, legislating, these are things I don't do. What I do is spend about 70% of my time raising funds for re-election. I'd do anything to stay in office. My name's Gil Fulbright, but hell, I'll change my name to Phil Goldbright, or Bill Fulbright, or fill up my mouth with farts. These are the things that are important to me. And these are the fine people that finance my campaign. Now, in order to do these things, I have to stay in office. And to stay in office, I have to keep these guys happy. Now, if any of these things make these guys unhappy, well, my hands are tied. So come November, the choice is clear. Do you want another spineless mouthpiece for special interest in lobbyists? Or a spineless mouthpiece for special interest in lobbyists? I'm Philip a mouth with farts, and I approve this message. That is, that is really funny. <laughs> Actor Frank Ridley playing Gil Fulbright, the honest politician, the only honest politician. All right, tickety-boo news. All right, the Atlantic Monthly, to, to my shock, ran a piece by a stone left-winger. I mean, it's just the, the opening of this piece is so obnoxious. But the meat of the piece comes from a report uh, that was recently published called Hidden Tribes, A Study of America's Polarized Landscape. And the study was written by More in Common, an organization that was founded in memory of Joe Cox, the British MP who was murdered in the run-up to the Brexit re referendum. She was a, <coughs> pardon me, a labor politician who was murdered by a far-right uh, lunatic. And uh, they put out this report. According to the report, 25% of Americans are traditional or devoted conservatives. Okay, 25%. 8% of Americans are progressive activists, and they are absolutely outside of the mainstream, okay? Two-thirds of Americans who don't belong to either far-right or far-left, or I don't know, conservative or left-wing crazies, um, are, they call them an exhausted majority. They are exhausted with the battle between both sides. So that's 80%, right? I'm sorry, two-thirds. So that's 66%. Their, their members share, according to this report, share a sense of fatigue with our polarized national conversation, a willingness to be flexible in their political viewpoints, and a lack of voice in the national conversation. Notice, by the way, that my estimate that 70% of people agree with 70% of the thing turns out to be actually almost exactly right. That is almost exactly right. But here, listen to this. Most members of the exhausted majority, and then some, dislike political correctness. They all hate political correctness. Among the general population, 80% believe that political correctness is a problem in our country. Young people, 74% ages 24 to 29, 79% under age 24. Everybody hates political correctness. Whites are slightly less likely than average to believe that political correctness is a problem in the country. 79% of them share this sentiment. Asians, 82%, Hispanics, 87%, and American Indians, 88%, who are most likely to oppose political correctness. Uh, 
every, it see, somebody says, it seems that every day you wake up, something has changed. You say Jew or Jewish. Is it a black guy, African-American? You're on your toes because you never know what to say. Political correctness in that sense is scary. And it is scary because you can lose your job and so forth. What I'm telling you is the, all these people who apologize the minute they get caught out saying something politically correct, all these corporations that fold, all these spokesmen, all these artists who come on their knees as if they're at a Stalinist show trial with a sign saying thought criminal, you know, every one of them, they're all playing to the minority. Every single one of them. What does that mean? It means for those of us who believe in the Constitution, those of us who believe in freedom, those of us who believe in the, that America is a great country and can be greater still if we remain free, all of us, we are in the majority. We are the majority. And those of us who believe that uh, law should not, that art, I'm sorry, and culture should not be restrained, restricted by political correctness. You know, there was an article in the Times about this, the guy saying that he's getting attacked for disliking something that was done by a black guy because it was done by a black guy. Everybody hates it. Everybody hates it. This is one more reason why you should celebrate this Clavin full weekend by going to the Gosnell movie tomorrow, by listening or watching Another Kingdom and even subscribing so you can see all of Another Kingdom. But if you don't subscribe, you can catch it. You can listen to it uh, tomorrow, Friday, first two episodes of season two and all the episodes of season one are uh, up there for you to, if you want to catch up. And of course, get the uh, best Mysteries of 2018, Best American Mystery Stories of 2018, which includes my story, uh, All Our Yesterdays. All of that stuff you can do to celebrate non-politically correct right-wing culture, namely me. Because non-politically correct right-wing culture is me, backed by Jeremy Boring, God King of The Daily Wire. So it's going to be a great weekend. And plus, I'll be here tomorrow. I will be here tomorrow to make up for the fact I was traveling on Wednesday with the mailbag. So get your questions in. If you're a subscriber, hit dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, hit Andrew Clavin podcast, get to that mailbag. All your problems will be solved for just a lousy 10 bucks a month. What a great deal. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin show. We will see you again tomorrow. The Andrew Clavin show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018.